Well, good morning. Welcome to Seacoast Church. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. I get to serve as the lead pastor here, and I'm just glad you're, you're with us here at Mount Pleasant. Uh, I'm glad those of you that are online are with us. My family was online uh, for the last couple of weeks, and so uh, so grateful for that team, uh, Ryan and Joey and the whole digital team making that happen. I got to give a shout out to, you know, we are one church, 13 campuses, and uh, I want to shout out McClellanville, our McClellanville campus. There is momentum in McClellanville. Let's go. Give it up, Pastor Heath. Check this out. McClellanville is reaching about 20% of their city. Um, if, if we were reaching 20% of ours, that would be about 20,000 people in this building. Uh, and so just saturating the city with the love of Christ, and we're grateful for, for that campus and all of our campuses as well. Uh, grateful for you guys. I want to mention one thing before I jump into the message. Uh, we have a conference coming up at the end of April, April 26th and 27th. It's our ARC conference. ARC stands for Association of Related Churches, and it's a church planting organization that we helped to start. Uh, this year alone, we've planted 33 churches. We've got another 40 plus churches coming at the end of the year. We've planted over a thousand churches all around uh, the United States uh, together, which is really amazing. But the invitation is for you guys to come and be a part of the team that serves those pastors. There will be about 4,000 pastors that will come on those two days, and we'd love for you guys to serve. Partially, selfishly, I just want you guys to see a little bit of what uh, some of your giving goes towards. I want you to see and meet some of these pastors. Last year at the art conference, we hosted it in October, and uh, one of my friends who served, she was like, hey, it really surprised me. I thought it would be a bunch of old white dudes with khaki pants and button-down shirts, and, uh, and it's, it's just a diverse group of pastors. We're planting in different cities, and it's just really, really amazing to see what God is doing. And so you can text the word ARC to 320-320. Maybe you could serve one shift that week. Maybe you could serve the whole time. Either way, we would love to have you guys as a part. Uh, when I knew about the topic that we were going to be talking about this weekend, I sat down with a couple uh, that I knew their story was a little bit messy. Uh, in fact, if, you, if you'd have known this couple, when they met each other, uh, both of them had been married at the time, uh, were in marriages that were struggling. Uh, both of them had children in those marriages. And what happened is this one guy walks into a bar, it sounds like a joke, but it's not, walks into to the bar and meets uh, this woman who was a bartender, and they hit off a, a friendship and a relationship. And again, lots going on. Both of them are in broken marriages. A couple months pass by, their friendship begins to, to, to gather some steam. Both of their marriages end in divorce. Uh, and then they find comfort in each other and get pregnant with a baby. They decide to have an abortion, which they would say, uh, and I would say, uh, a decision that they, they, they regretted, not the right decision, but they, that's what they did. Uh, another couple of months goes by, and they get pregnant again, this time with a baby girl. They decide, all right, we're going to have this baby, but what should we do? Like... <laughs> What do we do? Should we get married? Do we, you know, what, what would the Bible say? What would God's word say about our current mess of a situation? How many of you are glad you're not counseling that couple? Um, it was a mess. It was an absolute mess. And, and, and this weekend, we're going to be talking about their scenario, because I know that there are many of you in a church like us here in the room and at the campuses that, that your details might be different, but you can identify with some of the mess, uh, some of those types of complex questions related to 
marriage and adultery and, and divorce and what does God word, God's word say and what do we do with that? Um, and, 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 and there are many of you that might be able to identify with it. We're in a series right now where we've been studying uh, the first sermon that Jesus ever preached. Uh, we started at the beginning of the year with the Beatitudes. It took eight weeks to go through each of those Beatitudes. And then I felt like the Lord said, hey, I want you to stick with the Sermon on the Mount. Let's just preach our way through the Sermon on the Mount. And I knew that there would be some challenging subjects that we'd have to deal with. I didn't know I'd be the one that would get the chance to deal with it, but I knew that we would. And this weekend is one of them. And we're gonna be talking about divorce and remarriage. And here's what I wanna say right off the bat. Uh, that in a room like this, there are many people who are right in the thick of some difficult circumstances, no doubt. Uh, some of you may be in a marriage right now that's struggling. Uh, and, and you're not sure where it's going to go and how it's going to work out. Some of you might be in the middle of a, a divorce or just on the other side of a divorce. And here's what I want you to know. Uh, you, you're in the right place. Okay. We're not going to do anything to add to the pain that you've already experienced. My, my goal today is to teach the words of Jesus, to teach the grace of Jesus. And, and no matter where you are, even if you're single today and you're like, shoot, I showed up at the church and this isn't me. I promise you, if you'll open up your heart, God is going to speak to you. Uh, regardless of what your circumstances are. And so just know that, that uh, we understand the, uh, that, that there are tricky situations. This is a messy church. I've been a part of this church for 32 years. I know some of y'all's stories. It's a messy place, but you're in a safe place uh, with that. And so I want to jump in. A verse I want to read before I get into our passage today is Romans 8, chapter 1. This is one of my favorite, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and no matter what your mess looks like, no matter what your circumstances look like, this is going to be a guiding principle for our conversation today. In fact, I would like for us to read it out loud together. We'll have it up on the screen. Let's read it out loud. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? No condemnation. What does that mean? That means if at any point during our conversation today, you begin to feel a sense of guilt or shame about something from your past, that's not from Jesus, especially if you're in Christ. If you've given your, the Bible says he makes us a new creation. So, so Jesus is not gonna pile on to your, your past and make you feel terrible about it. He's already paid for your past. And then, now here's the deal. If during our conversation, there's a moment where maybe you feel a conviction about your current place and, and God wants to give you direction to where you currently are that may change your future, that's probably Jesus. And that's a grace. That's a gift. We need that. And so, but, but guilt, shame, we're not doing that today. And so just don't, don't, don't accept or receive any of that. If you feel any of that, as we like to say, put horns on it. That's the enemy. It's not the Lord. So, so let's jump in. Here's the passage today in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus addresses this topic, Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. He says, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, I already told you that we're listening into a sermon that Jesus gave uh, that happened about 2,000 years ago. And it's important when you're listening into a conversation that you have context for that conversation. Otherwise, you can, you can think you heard the right thing, but maybe you didn't. And so an example of this happened to me 
couple weeks ago, my family flew to Denver, Colorado. Uh, my kids and my wife were up, uh, not in first class, but towards the front of the plane. I was in the back. Uh, and so as I was getting off the plane, we landed in Denver and we begin the deboarding process. The flight attendant stops me and says, hey, are you Josh Surratt? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I am. And I'm thinking, wow, this is bizarre. How does she know me? Maybe she goes to Seacoast. Maybe blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking I'll, I'll probably be able to share this cool story of an online attender, blah, blah, blah. She goes, yeah, Josh, thank you for being a gold medallion member with Delta. So that's how she knew me <laughs> because I spend a lot of money with her. And so it's thank you. I'm like, oh, good. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, and so I continue along my way. Well, a couple seconds later, the person who was behind me catches me as I'm getting off the plane and taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I'm so sorry I was listening into that conversation that you had. Is it true that you're an Olympic gold medalist? I've never met an Olympian before. I'm like, yeah. I mean, this workout thing is really working out well for me. So I'm like, why don't you hear me? What, what sport do you think I am an Olympian in? I just would love to know. Like, let's create this story together. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not an Olympic gold medalist. I'm a gold medallion member. Very different things. But just by listening in, they heard something and took it the completely wrong direction. And, and I say that to say this, that there are times we read the Bible, we don't hear the whole conversation. We cannot understand exactly what's happening. So I'm going to do my best today to give you a little bit of context around what Jesus was saying. First thing I'm going to do is show you another passage where he talks about this. It's a little bit later in Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. And this is a scenario where a group of religious leaders uh, bring this topic up to try to trap Jesus. But I want to read it to you, and I'm going to share some context, and then we'll, we'll, we'll pull some stuff out of this scripture. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. So another passage, Jesus actually repeats very similar thing that he says in the earlier verse that we read. And so Here's what I want to do. What, what is the context? What is the circumstance? What, what does it look like? What are they talking about? You'll notice in both of those passages that we looked at, uh, the, the idea of a certificate of divorce is brought up. And, and so basically what they're talking about, they're referring to a verse in Deuteronomy chapter 24 that is about this certificate. I made up my own certificate. of I did not. Our team made up a certificate of divorce. I just tried to take credit for something that they did. Uh, but But there was an argument that was happening around this piece of paper, and it came from Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. I'll show you that verse. It says, if a man marries a woman, and then it happens that he no longer likes her because he has found something wrong with her, he may give her divorce papers, put them in her hand, and send her off. And some of you guys are laughing because this is what is being debated. Uh, so Moses, that was the Old Testament. Moses had said, hey, you can give your wife a certificate of divorce, and, and the way that, that's phrased, uh, if, if he finds fault with her is what some translations were. And so there's a big political fight happening over what does that verse actually mean? 
Uh, and, and so I want to help you understand the context. So there was one group of people, and it was actually the majority of people during that time. Uh, that, that there was a rabbi named Hillel. Will you say that with me? Hillel. Some of y'all almost cussed in church, but didn't quite get there. But Hillel. Uh, and here's what he would say. He would say that you, a husband could give this certificate of divorce to his wife for really any reason that he comes up with whatsoever. Uh, and, and, and there were examples of, I mean, literally the wife burnt the dinner last night and, and the husband would go, you know what? This has happened one too many times. Here you go. <laughs> Marriage over. Uh, maybe the wife is wanting to, to watch Netflix while the husband's wanting to watch the NCAA tournament, right? And it's like, you know what? This is it. This is a straw that broke the camel's back. And it sounds silly, but really the prevailing thought among Jews at the time was that any reason the man came up with was a valid reason for him to give a certificate. And what did the certificate mean? It meant that he was free from the marriage and that, that she was also technically unbound from the marriage. But I'll tell you in a few minutes what that certificate actually meant for that woman. So that's one side. On the other side, you have Shammai. Shammai is another Jewish rabbi, and he would say, no, 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 you guys are getting it all wrong. Uh, the, the, the word that they, they, they were really fighting over, what is um, if he finds fault with her really mean? And there's a, a Hebrew word that's really hard even today to translate, but, but you might see, uh, it could be translated to nakedness. Uh, it's where Shammai would say, no, the, the, the woman has to have done something to be unfaithful in the marriage. She has to have committed adultery. That's the only reason that you can give this certificate for divorce. And, and he's arguing that way. And so that's what these leaders are bringing Jesus into this fight and saying, so what do you say? And they had their own reasons for bringing Jesus into that fight. They were trying to get him to say something that was unpopular with the vast majority of the, the culture that would undermine his leadership. So do you have at least a feel for what's going on there? And so Jesus comes in and Jesus says, hey, you, you guys are, are all getting it wrong. He, he, he would definitely side with the Shammai, but he says, actually, we're going to go beyond what Moses said in Deuteronomy, and we're going to get to the heart of God on marriage. We're going to go all the way back to Genesis to try to figure out what is God's heart for marriage. And Jesus would say, ultimately, you can't get divorced for any reason other than sexual morality, but I'm going to give you a lot more of a reason behind that. And so, so let's, let's jump into this. I'm going to paint with a broad brush today, three points, because that's what any good sermon has, right? Three points. And just know that, that I know that there are a lot of different scenarios in the room. And that if you were here today and you came into my office and, and, and you're dealing with a marriage that's, that's difficult, how would I define a difficult marriage? If you're married, you're in a difficult marriage, right? Every marriage is difficult. But, but there are times that they get to the... To, to these crisis moments, right? And I just, I want you to know I have sensitivity for that. There would be certain things that I would probably emphasize with you to try to give you hope to stick this thing out because, man, it can get better. I'm seeing people right now who have been through really hard things and have gotten to the other side of it, and there's hope there. And there are other people that you're in the room, and maybe your spouse has abandoned you, and you found yourself in a place of, of, uh, that you never chose for yourself and, and you're walking through a painful, difficult divorce. And I would, I would sit down with you and I would, I, would, I would emphasize certain things and we would talk about that. And I know I can't do all of that in one sermon. So I'm painting with a broad brush, but here's the first thought for us. It's that Jesus sets a very high standard for marriage. 
Jesus sets a very high standard for marriage. He goes back again beyond Moses and he goes back to God's heart. And he says, don't you remember that the way that God designed this is that a man would leave his family and cleave and become united to his wife and they would become one flesh. He says, what God has joined together, let no man separate. He's like, you're arguing about a certificate? <laughs> this is so much bigger than a certificate. When, when, uh, when, when God creates a union of a marriage, there's a whole lot more at stake than a piece of paper. And, and, and when he talked about marriage, his disciples in verse 10, after he finished talking, look at their response. They then said to him, if this is the case, it's better just not to get married. <laughs> like, this is... This is tough stuff, Jesus. And if you read what Jesus said about marriage and you go, man, maybe it would be better not to get married, you probably have heard him correctly. He's setting the standard really, really high because that's what Jesus always did. Adam last week talked about anger, right? And, 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 and the, the, the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments was don't commit murder. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's the standard. We're going to go higher. Don't harbor anger in your heart. And the verse right before this one, Jesus says, yeah, the, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. We're going to raise a standard. If you're going to be a follower of me, I'm going to lift that standard. You, there was a rule, a law back in the day that if a Roman soldier asked a Jew to carry his armor, he was required by law to carry it for a mile. Jesus would go, oh, no, let's go two miles. Let's take it further. And he's trying to establish in his people that man, we're going to we're going to raise the bar. And, and if, if you're here today and you're single and you're thinking about getting married and, and you're talking about already having an exit strategy for that marriage before you go into it, I would say, please don't get married. It's, 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 it's the standard is high. And he's saying what, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so, so Jesus elevates the standard. Why does he do that? Well, it's because he understands the principle of a covenant relationship. In fact, he understands it so well, and I can't get deep into the weeds of it because I'd love to talk to you about it, but a covenant relationship, when people would enter into a relationship that was a covenant, they would basically cut an animal in half, and each of them would take one half of the animal. What that symbolized is that if I break this covenant, I'm as good as this animal. You might as well cut me in half, and it's, it's just a commitment. And we have covenant relationships, and we have convenient relationships, Right? And, and there's room for both of them. I, I love convenient relationships. My grocery store, those people, I love them. I know their names, their friends. We talk. They know my name. But it's a relationship of convenience. If there's a better deal out there, if another store pops up that's closer, I'm probably going to go that way. But, but that doesn't work with my kids, right? What if I went home tonight and said, hey, kids, I love you. You're great. But I've been spending some time with the neighbor's kids. And... <laughs> I'm telling you, they're more respectful, they smell better, and I'm just going to, you know, like, no, we get that. We get, we're not going to leave uh, that relationship. And, and what Jesus is saying is, hey, the relationship between a husband and wife, it is a covenant relationship. When he quotes that scripture from Genesis, he says, the two will leave their family and they will cleave together. The, the word cleave, or I think the translation I used was be united as one, it implies that, that, that we're coming together in such a way that to, to come apart would cause damage to both parties. That to, to separate would, would, would bring about damage to both parties. And, and if you've been through a divorce, 
You understand that. I don't need to stand up here and, 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 and tell you that because you understand the damage that comes. And even in the best of cases, uh, divorce, it, it's, it, it was God never designed it that way. And, and Jesus knows that the ideals were all kind of broken in the garden because of sin. And it's not that he's holding on to man. I just, but he's, he's saying, hey, the reason that, that divorce is, is frowned upon by God is, is not because he um, is, is hopeful to go back to some ideal. It's because he knows how damaging it is when two are separated. And, and so he sets the standard really, really high on marriage. A, a second thought for us is that Jesus sets an even higher standard for divorce. Uh, let, let's go back to that context. I, I told you that those two sides, they're arguing over this certificate, right? What does it take to be able to give a certificate of divorce? Here's what I want you to understand about that certificate. When the man would give this woman a certificate of divorce, he would be able to move on, but she had to take this with her everywhere she went. This became almost like a damaged goods certificate that she had to walk into whatever future relationship when she went back to her home she had to show the reason I'm coming back is because because I've, I've been given a certificate of divorce and, and here's what you need to know about the culture and context women could not get an education in the same way that men could women couldn't have a career in the same way that a man could her only hope for finding fulfillment was through marriage through being married to a man and so what Jesus is saying is hey Men, step it up. What you're doing is wrong. And again, in chapter five, he said, you're causing her to become a victim of adultery by doing this to her. What, what, what is, I'll do a little Bible trivia. What is the penalty for adultery back in that culture? Death. You would be stoned to death. And so these men, because they found another option, because they found a reason, something they didn't like in this woman, are essentially sentencing these women to a life of poverty at best or death at worst. And Jesus is going, this is a, this is a justice issue. So this is wrong. Stop doing this. Well, why did he have a, a, such a high standard for divorce? It's because the relationship that Jesus used most to describe his relationship with the church is this marriage covenant relationship. And he's saying, hey, I am... I, I, I'm looking at the bride of Christ. The church is my bride. And you know what? When the church gets a little flabby, when the church does some things wrong, when the church doesn't put its best foot forward, I'm not putting a certificate of divorce on you. In fact, at the cross, when I gave up my life for you, I basically took your penalty that you deserve for being adulterous towards me. And I took it upon myself. And he says, there is no circumstance and no situation in which I will put this on you. In fact, what Jesus did is he ripped apart the certificate of divorce. And he said, I'm choosing to be faithful to you even when you were faithless. That's the good news. That's why divorce hurts God's heart so much. And so, so if you're here today, and again, the goal for me isn't to pile on at all. I want you to understand why Jesus would have said what he said. He sets a high standard. And if, if you're here today and you would say, man, I think I'm ready to, to bail out on my marriage. And I would say to you, I don't know the circumstances. I really don't. 
and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to, to belittle them at all, but, but what I would say to you, I'll actually give you a quote from Rick Warren. I love this. Rick said, when God wants to make a giant oak, he takes 100 years. But when he wants to make a mushroom, he does it overnight. Great souls are grown through struggles and storms and seasons of suffering. Be patient with the process. My hope for us is that we would be a church full of marriages that look more like oak trees than mushrooms. And I'm telling you, my marriage, I've shared our story with you. We've been through several seasons that, man, it felt like the storm just kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. Felt like we were getting battered by the, 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 the rain and the wind and the, 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 the storms. But man, we've, we've held on. And, and we're beginning to look a little bit more like an oak tree than a mushroom. That's what I want for my marriage. That's what I want for your marriage. Some of you, maybe you've already gone through a divorce. And again, our goal isn't to pile on, but that's what I want for you, that you'd be able to walk through this storm and come on the other side stronger, healthier. And I'll just say this. Scripture does give the reason of adultery as a, a legitimate reason for divorce. But I can tell you right now, in the room that I'm standing in, some of the strongest marriages in this room have actually been through adultery and, and got help, got, got, got with some counselors and got with some godly men and women and actually have a marriage that, that everybody wants, but nobody wants to go through what they went through to get it. And so there is hope no matter what you're walking through, no matter what mess your life looks like right now, I promise you, if you'll surrender your life to Jesus and if you'll ultimately give him a chance, he's so good at making a masterpiece out of the broken pieces of our lives. And so the standard is high. And if you're considering walking through a divorce right now, one, I want you to know that you have my, my prayers, you have our support, our heart is with you, but you probably talked to a counselor when you got married. Please talk to us before you give up on your marriage. Please give a chance to, to a counselor, to maybe a pastor. We have a, an incredible ministry called Reengage, where we've seen couples walk through some really, really, really tough storms and come through it healthier and stronger on the other side of it. So I would just ask you to get, give us a chance and give community a chance to help. So God sets a high standard for marriage. God sets an even higher standard for divorce. So the last thought that I want to share with you in light of this is that Jesus will tell us what we should do, but he'll never tell us what we should have done. <laughs> See, Jesus isn't going to spend much time at all trying to drag you through your past. And some of you would be here. There's a, a scripture that I've, I skipped, but I want to go back to it. So you say, well, what if I'm, what if I did get divorced? And it wasn't for the right reasons. What if I have blown it? What if I did commit adultery? What would, what would the church say to me? And what I would say to you is, welcome to a church full of adulterers, because what Jesus did is raise the standard. In that verse in Matthew chapter 5, it's actually in the section right before the one that we talked about today. He said, hey, you've heard it said don't commit adultery, but what I'm telling you is if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery. <laughs> so I know that uh, some of y'all think you've got your act together, but I've been at this church for a long time. There's a lot of messes in here. We're all broken. We're all broken. 
And Jesus isn't interested in dragging you through your past. He's interested in you surrendering your present and inviting him into it. And we see in Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, in John chapter four, we see Jesus interact with a woman who'd been through five marriages. And we see him tell her, hey, I want you to drink in such a way that you'll never thirst again. I'm the living water. And he offers himself. Jesus in John chapter eight actually encounters a woman who is caught in the act of adultery. And the, the, the religious leaders of the time drag her in front of Jesus. And they say, Jesus, you know the, the law. The law says that this woman should be stoned to death. What do you say, Jesus? And I'm so thankful for this story because it shows us Jesus's heart. He gets down on his knees. He writes some things in the sand. And then he gets up and he looks at these religious leaders and he says, you know what? You're right. The law does say that if a woman is caught in adultery, that she should be stoned to death. So here's how we're going to play this story out. Why don't the one of you who has no sin, you throw the first stone. And what happens? One by one, they drop their stones and they walk away. And in verse 10 of John chapter 8, Jesus straightened up and he looks at this woman and he says, woman, where are they? Has, has no one condemned you? And she says, no one has. And then the only person in that, 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 that scene who had the right to stone her, who had no sin, was Jesus. And he says, then neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, ah, oh, adultery, that's not a big deal. <laughs> no, he didn't condone her acts, but he also didn't condemn her. And that's the same heart that he has for you and me. He wants to enter in right now. Not interested in what happened yesterday or two weeks ago, but right now. And he, wa he wants to begin anew. I love 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. It says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's the good news of Jesus. He no longer counts your sin against you. He ripped up the certificate. He doesn't hold it over us anymore. And so I don't know what kind of mess that you walked in with today, but I hope you know that there is a God that wants to enter into that mess and take those broken pieces. And again, it's not going to happen overnight. It takes a little bit of time to build an oak tree. It's going to begin to restore you into something that is beautiful. And so I want to close by going back to that story from the very beginning. Remember that couple, the mess, the abortion, the child out of wedlock, the divorce. Well, that couple ended up in those moments giving their life to Christ. They said, we know that we've blown it up to this point, but we just want to surrender. And they began to take these steps to build their life together. They decided to have this little girl. Uh, and this little baby was born. I think I got a picture of the little baby. This is a while ago. Uh, that little baby's name is Lisa. Lisa Barr. And she would grow up. I want to show you the picture of them in a more current state. That's Lisa. She's on the bottom left. 
She's actually sitting on the front row right there. That's my wife. I've been married for 20 years. And that's her parents, George and Bobby Barr. That's that couple that I described to you. George and Bobby celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary this past year. In fact, the little baby in that picture is my daughter Ellie from a while ago. She'll never know that couple that was a broken mess. She'll never know that story of uh, damn All she knows is some oak trees that God has taken the last 40 years to take those pieces and to build them back together. This morning, George is serving on the parking team. Bobby's going to be serving on the prayer team today. And God has taken those broken pieces and he's created something beautiful with it. And so again, I don't know what your mess looks like. <laughs> I only know what mine does. All of us have some degree of messiness in our lives. And my invitation for you today is would you be willing to do what George and Bobby did? So you know what? I, I want to just give it to God. You can't fix it anyways. I can't fix it. We're part of the reason we got into this mess. So would you be willing to, to get to a place where you say, God, I want to give you the broken pieces of my life. And would you begin a process of putting them back together? Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we close? Just feel really strongly, especially in this service here and online. If you're here today, and again, you don't have to go into the details of your mess, but you would say, hey, there's some messiness in my life right now. And I want to bring it to Jesus right now. I want him to restore. I want him to put it back together. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray specifically over that. Okay, awesome. All over this room. Just my mess. God, I want you to, I want you to restore it. Father, we come to you today in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our mess. And Lord, the prayer that we want to pray is, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. Would you just say that in your own way? Jesus, I surrender to you. I thank you that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that you're not interested in rehashing the whole past. But God, I'm inviting you into this moment. I'm surrendering my life to you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you have torn apart the certificate of divorce, that you've chosen, Lord, not to view me through my unfaithfulness, but to view me through your faithfulness. We thank you, Jesus, that you lived a sinless life, that you died on the cross so that we could be saved and so that we could be whole and so that we could be healed. So God, I pray that you would work out that healing process among us today. I pray that there would be emotional healing that would be done in this moment. I pray that there would be spiritual healing that would be done in this moment. I pray, God, for physical healing in this moment. We take the messiness of our lives and we bring it to you. Would you work, Jesus? Would you begin to create something beautiful out of the messes of our lives? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.